In this episode of the Exploring Information Security Podcast, the first ever Exploring Information Security Podcast live panel. Welcome to the Exploring Information Security Podcast, where you will learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I am your host, Timothy D. Block, and in this episode, the live podcast panel from ShowBeacon, June 7, 2018. This is the first ever recorded podcast that, that was live um, at a conference, so I was really excited for that. I had Dave Cronister, uh, I also had April Wright, and David Seibuck. I don't think he, that's a real last name. Uh, we also had uh, Wick, uh, aka Dave, who just kind of came on the panel. Wasn't really someone I had planned, but worked out. He had some uh, really good input, really great guy. Um, and then also we had Amanda Berlin, aka Info Sister, who who's written a book. And as you'll you'll hear, she, you can hear about her next book. Uh, a little inside joke. You'll get it as you listen to the podcast. But uh, this was my first live panel. This is a longer episode, between fifty and fifty-five minutes, depending on how long this intro is. And uh, yeah, so it's also available on YouTube already. I will link to that in the show notes, timothydblock.com forward slash EIS. This is going to be episode 142. And uh, so you can go check that out there. You can leave comments there. If you uh, have any feedback, you can also reach me at timothy.dblock at gmail.com. You can also reach out to me on Twitter at timothydblock. So... Uh, thanks to everyone who came that was actually a listener of the show. I really appreciate it. I hope you had a good time. Um, we had some really great questions from the crowd. And uh, the first part I do kind of walk through some of the state of the podcast. I was kind of playing with the format a little bit. I'll be tweaking a little bit more and submitting it to other conferences and, and hopefully being picked up. We'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. But um, I really like it. I'm hoping to do some more of it. I have some really great content following this from some of the people that were at the conference. So I brought my recording equipment to try and record a couple episodes while I was there. And that did end up happening and, and some really great stuff. Uh, I am, I did, did get some new audio equipment. So I am playing with the quality a little bit to, to see what, what plays best and what comes out the best. So with that, I think I've covered everything. Uh, this is explicit. So if you have kids in the car, maybe not the first episode, uh, go check out something else or, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Thank you for listening and on with the show. All right. So welcome to the first ever exploring information security panel podcast. Yay. So I am your host, Timothy D block. Um, just first question. Who here has heard of the podcast before? All right, awesome. I'm glad, I'm glad that I actually have some people uh, that have actually listened to this before. Um, thank you for sticking around. This is really one of the greatest conferences that I enjoy coming to every year because everyone actually like sticks around towards the end. Um, usually by this time, most people have already left, uh, including myself. So. <laughs> Um, I am very happy to see, because I was really concerned. I told Dave this. I was like, I, 
I am just really, my, the, my biggest concern was like, it's going to be three people in the crowd. And it's like three people that I know, right? I paid at least 50 of these people to be here. Okay, so Dave paid at least 50 people. To, I appreciate that. Thank all you. All the employees? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, by the way, this is recording. So when you guys are talking, you actually have to speak into the microphone. And you're going to have to fight over two of them. So, great jokes. No one heard them, though. <laughs> Are we allowed to have explicit tags yes, on this? Yes, we will. Right. We will mark this Perfect. as explicit. I, I, uh, my content. Yes. So, um, so if you don't know the podcast, it can be found at timothydblock.com forward slash eis. I made it nice and easy. And each week, essentially, I have on a different security professional uh, on this panel. I've had I have three of the five people have been on before. Two. This is their first time. Um, we're going to kind of keep this nice and loose. I will introduce each one of them. Uh, and we'll just get into it, and then we'll have questions from the crowd. If anyone has any questions, pretty much regarding anything within information security experiences, if you don't have a question, that's fine. I have my own set of questions. Um, and yeah, so that's pretty much it. Uh, the podcast can be found on iTunes, Overcast, Google Play. Uh, if there's a podcast director you like that it's not on, let me know. I will submit it. It's actually a fairly easy process to do that. Um, so I guess I'm gonna, I was going to use this opportunity to talk about a little bit about the podcast and how it's, it's doing. Uh, so um, over the last year, it's pretty much doubled in listenership. Uh, podcasting is really hard to figure out how many people are actually listening to it. iTunes has got some really great statistics that they just started coming out with out in September. Um, but it's, it's not a full picture right now. And... Um, I just kind of look for for general uh, trends and flows. Like if I go look at my statistics for subscribers, it says I have 20,000 uh, last year, which I don't think there's that many, <laughs> um, but it has gotten up to like 40,000 this year. So that's where I said it doubled. So pretty good size audience. Um, but, uh, and that's kind of what I look for. So we will now start with the panel here. Amanda's looking at me very afraid, like she's, I'm going to call on her first. So that means I'm going to call on her first. Uh, we have Amanda Berlin, uh, who Hi. is a, AKA info sister. She, uh, has a book. She's a world renowned author. Wait until they tell you what the book's about first. Before you yeah. clap. What, what, what is your book about? Uh, it's, it's called the Defensive Security Handbook. It's mostly for people starting in InfoSec or uh, transitioning to InfoSec from an IT role or if you want to build an uh, information security program from the ground up. And what's your next book? Uh. <laughs> Are you going to write another book? Writing books is very, very time-consuming. I, I talked to my children about the possibility of me writing another book, and they almost broke down in tears. Uh, so I, I, might, <laughs> I might not do it anytime soon. I have another idea for a book, but we'll see. Can you share that? Um, so who's heard of, like, tabletops, right? And how many of you ever read um, Choose Your Own Adventure books when you were little? Mm -hmm. Right? It's, it's a choose-your-own-adventure tabletop. Um, so you can have kind of an entire book of uh, tabletops that tie to different um, compliance standards, and you can kind of go through the whole thing and have a different tabletop every time. Cool. Nobody steal that idea, by the yeah. way. <laughs> it is recorded on YouTube, by the way. Do we need to have Adrian like, wipe that section guy. out? That sounds like way harder to edit than a normal book, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's actually a software uh, called Inklewriter that lets you break down the different trees for a choose-your-own-adventure book. 
which is really super cool. Like you can see it in the entire map and you can add different options and it's all in, in the browser and then when you're done, it'll just like put it all into a book for you. So Inkle Writer. He's, He's keeping notes for everybody. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be, that'll, that'll be in the show notes. I'll just take a picture of his notepad. Um, we're totally going to try and get a book out before you. <laughs> All right, so go ahead and pass the mic down. We have Wick, who I have no idea how he got in the podcast. I, I'm very good at social engineering, <laughs> which is how I got up here. I've got this Choose Your Own Adventure book coming out <laughs> in about a week. You're going to need a big table for it, so you... I'm selling those. Bigger yeah, bigger table than yours. <laughs> it's going to be great. Coming out this Christmas. Yeah, he also goes by Dave. So yes. Amanda's follow around by three guys named Dave. So just, just so you know. I'm an honorary sure Dave. Yeah. All right, hand next to Dave. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, my name is uh, David Saiba. I'm introducing you. God. What? <laughs> this is my podcast. Don't take it over. Fire away. First question. Uh, so this is David's first time on the podcast as well. I do know how he got on the podcast, and that's because Dave, Dave, here, Dave Cronister. God, we have like a panel of Daves. Like, why? This is why it's a special panel. Yes, it is a very special panel. Anyways, Dave was like, I was like, hey, man, I want you on the, pot, on the panel. And he's like, I don't know if I can make it. And, and so I was like, all right, I'll just go get another Dave. Uh, <laughs> that I know. Just here I am. Yes, yes. And then he comes back and goes, he goes, oh, yeah, I can make the panel. I'm like, damn it. So, uh, Dave is still here. Um, I didn't kick him off. I'm not that mean, but um, me and David have had a lot of conversations about application security, and uh, he speaks around. There, there. You guys just talk tomorrow is on. Him and Amanda are speaking on. Uh, you'll you'll understand when you're older. You understand when you're older. Yes. So one of the closing keynotes. So look forward to that. It, yeah, you're the only talk on at that time. So I'm. Is that okay to call him a keynote? <laughs> I figured you knew you were a keynote. Nope. <laughs> I'm also going to be there pimping my new Choose Your Own Adventure book. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's 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 move on. We got we got we got April Wright. Dave. Dave. Okay, we're, she's going by Dave now, Dave. aka Dave. <laughs> um, she is a traveling uh, superstar. She just uh, talking to her. She went to what, you went to South Africa. Um, China, just and you're going somewhere else, aren't you? Like Paris. Paris, yes. So just all over. The, why are we clapping? I, 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 she's going to Paris. I okay. don't know. Let's clap for Paris, guys. Everyone, clap for Paris. <laughs> I feel bad because I didn't clap about your double of things on your double audience, and I'm just clapping for everything. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am. I am sorry. Yeah. Um. And then, of course, we have Dave Cronister. Hope he doesn't. I'll go by Johnny Christmas this time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Dave is is uh, is actually the reason why we have these special podcasts. Because last year he's like, "Hey, you know, be great is a panel at my conference." I was like, "All right, I'll submit that." Um, So I did that, and then also last year, if you listen to the podcast, we have these. They're called shit shows. I have actually labeled them on my site shit shows because they're an hour and a half of information security professionals sitting around. Uh, just talking about security. Um, I've gotten some really great feedback in that people like it because it kind of, uh, I guess, demystifies some of the, you know, you, you get up here and speak and people look at you as some, some you know, 
put you on a pedestal. And so it's really nice, especially new people to come in and, and hear the podcast and listen to how we talk. Cause we really do get into some really great stuff, which is why we continue to do it. So what were you going to say, Amanda? I forgot my joke. It's all right. Oh, okay. I'm sure it was great. <laughs> Clap, Dave. <So. laughs> Clap, Dave. Yes. yes. <laughs> Clap in front of the, yeah, the microphones. I'm sure. Will there be choose your own joke endings in your book? <laughs> oh, all right. So with that, does anyone have any questions? We have uh, Mr. Scott here who will walk around with a mic. Is there anyone with questions? Just starting right off. All right. Preferably security related. <laughs> and if your name is Dave only. I'm married, by the way, in case anybody's interested. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so let's, let's, let's get in. And I, I, just, I started, I, I know I sent you guys questions ahead of time, but I actually went ahead and added some more. <laughs> so this is okay, a little bit I didn't read that. I didn't see oh, I didn't the question I saw was, what's your favorite color? And I'm like, that, <laughs> that was from a buddy. I put it out. I got one question back from, from people out in social media about, um, you know, what, what people want me to ask you guys. So are you the password inspector? The, no, I'm not the password inspector. Um, so why the retro theme this year for show me con Dave? So He's old. it's explicit, right? Yes. We didn't know what the fuck to do. <laughs> I hate to say it, but man, this comes up really hard. So I'll, I'll tell you, we were going to do VR. I have a big VR arena in my basement. And uh, we were going to have HTC, and they're like, we're going to have all these vibes, and it was great. And then we never heard back from them. And so I've been uh, playing a lot of old video games, and we said, let's do retro. Uh, well, we said we have a couple ideas, and um, I was talking to Amanda on Twitter, and she goes, it should be retro tech. And so I said to Renee, Amanda said it should be retro tech, and, Am and Renee goes, that's great. So Amanda chose retro tech, <laughs> but that means something different to everybody, so I don't know. It's it's hard to do a thing. It, it'll yeah. judge us on our ages, depending on what we think is retro. I, I mean, yeah. for me, retro tech was literally the old Pong game my parents had in the 70s. I was thinking Windows XP, but I mean, I, I, yeah. <laughs> Some of us actually had to, you know, support Windows NT 4.0 while you were in your diapers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so we've had you know, like some retro things come back. Like I think ransomware was has been around for a while, and it's just more recently that it's really started kicking up again. What what are you guys seeing? What else do you see kind of coming back? We got flip phones coming back, right? So, what else do you guys see coming back? Taking shit off the computer. Taking shit off I, the computer. I, I mean, let's face it. This is explicit. Yeah. I haven't been cussing all day. I have to get my microphone. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. Uh, you know, I, I think we're at the point now where people realize if it doesn't need to be on a system, it shouldn't be on a system. And, you know, we're starting to take a lot of our stuff and our really sensitive stuff, put them on DVDs, put them in a vault and in our data center and, and, and just take it off. There's, it's just, it's insane. I yeah, see but it as a technology professor. Is that really coming back, or has people just not been able to do it since we, everybody's been suggesting it? I, you know, well, I mean, that's the whole thing, isn't it? Right? Is things coming back, or is it just that we're just, I don't know. You just confused me. <laughs> that was a choose-your-own-answer right there. <laughs> I've, um, I've seen a few different things, right? So in terms of... Uh, d data centers, we've been doing a lot with uh, serverless architectures, right? The idea that you just call functions and endpoints, right? So everything's not just coming off the computer. It's like 
going into the cloud. Yeah, I just said that, right? But then you flip that around. One of the other things we're working on, you see something coming back. Hardware security is coming back, right? So if you take a look at what people are doing in cities, right? People want smart TVs. They want smart fridges. They want smart cities. So now if you're going to have data collected from your home and from your town, now you have to start looking at security in a different way. So I've actually seen hardware start reappearing on security frameworks in the smart city context, right? So if someone's going to collect my data, now that trash can that has the air quality sensors that's going to watch traffic and understand what's going on in my town, now that device has a new layer of security. It's new. It's called hardware, and it's coming back. <laughs> So like you can't you can't make heads or tails of it. it. It really depends on what you need and making sure you're approaching it completely. Right. So yeah, what I thought about when you mentioned that, Dave, was was kind of just cleanup. I mean, that's some of the biggest things I see. It's like, well, why is this code here? Oh yeah, we should, we, we, we that's not in use anymore. It's like, well, why haven't we got rid of it? Right. April. Yeah. So I've noticed that people are starting to do like war driving again. Really? Um, for Wi-Fi, looking for Wi-Fi, um, looking for other kinds of like SIGINT type stuff. Um, people are using, uh, like people are really getting into radio and antennas and kind of the old school, um, uh, you know, using the waves instead of like using the internet to hack things. Okay. So can you explain that a little bit more? Like, um, well, I, there are like some contests for um, for the I forget what it's called right now. I'm drawing a blank, but um, you, you can get like a ham radio. That's what it is. Right, ham so radio. They, yeah. they have like these like war driving competitions where you go up into you know somewhere and you try to collect the most. I don't, I don't even know how it works, but it's it's like a it they're they're getting in vehicles, they're driving around trying to find signals, and I know that um, a lot of um, facilities are doing it too to try to find their own Wi-Fi, like rogue Wi-Fi that is being turned up. Called so it's called hunts. called what? Fox hunts. Fox hunts. Okay. Yeah. I mean people are still or either doing it again or still doing it, depending how you look at it, I guess. So, and is this just people that used to do this or is this like a new generation coming and going, oh that's cool. It seems like a new generation. To me. New generation yeah. that's like, hey, we can do this. It's like we we did that twenty years ago. We already had our fun. Yeah. Software defined radio. Software defined radio? I mean, you can do it with anything. You can do it with SDR. You can do it with um, with Wi-Fi and any signal that's being put out. If it's not supposed to be emanating signal, it, you know, you should probably be looking for it and turning it off if it. If it's doing so. Right. Right. Basic understanding of um, what's going on in the environment. And, and that ties back into like smart cities. So, I mean, we're going to have Wi Fi is going to be ubiqu ubiquitous everywhere, as well as Bluetooth and other, I mean, things that aren't secure by default. Right. To add layers of security onto them. So, most people are still using default passwords on their routers and Wi Fi. Right. So, I mean, that's always been a problem, though. Like 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 Cliff mentioned this was a Cliff yeah no Cliff uh, no not Cliff um, <laughs> Dave. maybe Cliff. Dave was, was it Dave, Dave? <laughs> no um, Kevin Kevin Johnson this morning talked about SQL injection how that's been around and that they had the solution when they found it 
like 20 years ago and it's still a problem and that they had like this past January, he found it. So, you, you know, I was just going to say, I don't know about the rest of you, but you know, when you say what's coming back to me, you know, I was at a con in, a couple weeks ago and they, I was teaching, I wasn't speaking and they, they lost uh, a couple speakers. I'm like, Hey, I'll speak. And they said, oh, do you have a talk? I'm like, I have talks from the past decade and they're all still relevant. And, and so, I mean, a lot of it to me feels like, is it really coming back? Or are we just re-evaluating it? We're just looking at it these days. I mean, we're still talking about, you know, you're talking about war driving. Well, yeah, you're using WPA2 pre-share key, but let me guess, it's your phone number, you know, or it's someone's <laughs> phone right. number. Or, and you know, your printer's wide open and, and it's just Trojans are just sitting out there. I mean... To me, it's just why even deal with some of this new neat stuff when this old techniques have been working for the past 30 years. Right. And that's, right. that's one of the big reasons why Lee and I wrote the book is yeah. because it's all of that stuff all packed into one because it's, we would go into environments and see the same shit constantly. Like see, that, everybody that, in IT has a domain admin it, account. I, I mean, yeah, and my, there's no patching and there's all of the stuff that when you go in as a red team or a pen tester, you see over and over and over again that you're constantly making the same recommendations. I, I feel like my pen tester's loose skill set. I yeah. mean, you know, I mean, it's here's, not challenging. here's the problem is I, I have one of my guys that wears a cape every time he gets a domain credentials. So You'll all the see time. him around here. All He'll probably be wearing the cape. In all his engagements mm -hmm. last year, he only had five. He didn't wear the cape. And you sit there and you just go, well... Come on, we got to make it a little harder for us. We don't want to wear the cape. Right. But yeah. But there's also, like, my whole thing with that is that it's like, we got to do the basics, but the ba you ask someone for a list of the basics and it's like a hundred basics long, right? It's, it's, no, it's in your environment. So, inventory, which is a big project in itself. It's, um, that nobody can do correctly. Right. Exactly. Right. And, and there's a segmentation. And then, like you said, domain admin, there's proper passwords, changing defaults on everything. There's just like a long list of best practices and things everyone should just be obviously doing. Um, so I, and I don't know what the solution to that is because we have frameworks. You've, you've written a book, which, you know, very good book. Um, was someone saying something? I thought I heard something. They just they just coughed. They right. just coughed. <laughs> He's gonna roll his face. That like, was that was someone just... ask a question. Come on, yes, that's what I've been waiting. Yes, yes. thank hey, you. Yesterday Woo! was Scott's twenty first birthday. He's hung over. Yay, Scott. Yay, Scott. All right. I should have done what Arnar did was hand out candy. Yeah, that would have gotten some questions. This has nothing to do with what you're talking about, but I do have a question that I've wanted to ask someone okay. in your kind of in your field. Um, for about a year now, I've been pushing our organization to consider master ID compliance to make our identity and access management more manageable because we don't have a systemic entitlement review system uh, that we can use right now where it's a very manual process where we gather data that can get static and you know and old and stale and and then we put it into a SharePoint site and then we send out notifications and have them go in and look at everything. So I, I wanted to be able to generate reporting on entitlements and the way to identify a user in our systems. We do have unique IDs in every system, but we don't have the same ID for the same user in every system. What are your thoughts about master ID compliance? Do you think it's helpful? It seems helpful from that perspective, but given the new like GDPR and things like that where a user ID is considered 
um, an identifiable thing that we should be protecting? Should we be using master ID compliance? I'm just trying to figure out how to make this work and also be, be compliant and be able to really identify our users and our systems. Right. No, that's, that's absolutely important. I, th I think that master ID would be more of a means to an end. And the end would be complete mediation of all user activities and being able to tie every activity back to a user. So whether you do that as user 123 or user 789, I don't know how much that really matters as long as you have that other infrastructure in place to be able to identify like it doesn't I, I don't see the ID as mattering as much as the functionality personally. Thank you for that, April, because I had no idea. I, I actually, Master ID compliance is something. I, this is the first time I heard it. I, I was taking notes here going, I need to dig into that. <laughs> I think there's probably not a lot of people that even get to that point where you, where, where you can even talk about the question that you asked. I don't think that a lot of people know who their users are in any system. I think automating it would... Right. You know, for so, asset, so, asset identity management, I think, would be a good thing. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's what we say is you got to know who has what access to what things. And that's, that, again, that's inventory. That's the basics of, you know, security and understanding that and making sure someone doesn't have it. Um, can't tell you how many times it's like, well, that person's been gone for three months. Why isn't it disabled right now? Or you disable it and someone re-enables it because they need to go get email out of their account or something. It's and, like, and all of those, uh, actions of disable and enabling and creation and deletion and everything are all manual. Right. Like, I, I don't know of anybody. That, I mean, I'm assuming there are places like some of the very large corporations that have it all automated, but for the most part, I don't think people do. And most systems aren't going to be able to support a master ID anyway, because, like you said, if you remove, let's say you have a user and then you disable it, because you should never really remove a user. So you have a user, you disable it, and then somebody comes in later and they have a, a similar name or, or whatever. I mean, like, that system is not necessarily going to, it's going to be probably auto-incrementing IDs as it, as it creates users. So if you create a user in one system, it's not going to create the same ID elsewhere, which is the reason for master ID. But I just, I don't see why it matters as long as you can tie it back. As long, I mean, you're saving yourself like one query for looking up a user and you're doing all this extra work when you could be putting that time into something that like could have a lot more impact because really i mean it, i who's this id belong to you got the info as long as you can do that the other stuff matters more tying it back to a person being able to have an audit trail about what they did and what they logged into i think that like you can spend your time and money elsewhere better than with that i don't know Well, that, that's your first problem right there. It's very difficult um, to identify in our, we have a system where we, it's kind of like a golden source where we have all of our, when a user is onboarded, it goes into the system, you know, and they have an ID and they were, and an, an active directory account is generated for their, for them. But people, I mean, we have other systems where they set up the ID and they put in the user's name incorrectly spelled. So when you go to do lookups and try and figure out who these people are, you can't find them. 
I'm just thinking master ID compliance makes it so much easier to identify an individual user and also that helps you meet the security rule which says that you need to be able to log those transactions that are to that individual and know exactly who that person is. And it kind of comes like a social security number. No matter what system you're in, that's your number. And if you leave the company, we don't use that for somebody else. So, so do you have standards built for each of these applications that talk about username creation? So you're trying to create know. a technology to compensate for a lack of a, a policy. I've worked in companies where they have been master ID compliant. Yeah, yeah, but, but, but hold on one sec. This, 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 hits a, this hits a perfect point, and I think April hit it too. We got to get away from the tools. The easiest way to set this up is spend a couple, figure out who owns those uh, are, and responsible for each of those systems. Make sure there are standards so every, so it, as April said, it's not necessarily that you can, you do one query and you tie every single system. I mean, that's the ultimate goal, right? Single sign-on, but let's face it, you're going to go broke. Every company's going to go broke trying to put it in. But if you have the standards in place to be able to say it's going to be this and if, you know, you have a David Cronister that starts, and after you fire David Cronister, you have David Cronister that starts. You know, what is it David Cronister 1, David Cronister 2, and make sure it's passed all the way through. Um, it's going to work a lot better. The other aspect there is, do you have policy and standards in place on how you disable when you disable? I mean, let's face it, the reason we're in where we're in is we're not... We're, we don't have the plans. We're just relying on these tools instead. I know it's probably not what you want to hear, but in some cases, that's going to be an easier fix. Well, actually, we do have termination policies, you know, with regard to when an employee's terminated, their, their access is disabled within 24 hours unless they were a highly privileged user, and then it's immediately within like a couple hours. But the problem is, you know, when you look at logging and you're auditing and you're trying to figure out you know, Mary Smith in this system as opposed to Mary Smith in that system. It's the same Mary Smith, but she has an ID that's different in this system than she does in that system. And then, you know, and then there's four of them in, you know, the golden source. So which one is it? You know, that's why I felt like, you know, I wanted to see what you thought about Master ID compliance because I feel like it really identifies a user uniquely. And then when you do look at auditing and logging in any system, it's consistent that you know that's that Mary Smith because she has the same ID in all those systems. So when her transactions log, you know exactly it's that person. So that, that was my, my thought. But then, you know, with the regulations that's coming out about user IDs are supposed to be kept confidential. And so then if you're using that as a source to audit and a source to look up information on a user, you know, I, I kind of feel like it's a catch-22 scenario. So I was just wondering what your thoughts were on. I can uh, interject from a slightly different angle, right? So, um, Working in a company that writes software, uh, knowing or say having it as a requirement that my software now needs to support uh, this uh, master ID, right? I, I hear master ID and talk it to the mic. I start hearing master ID and I, I start thinking about single sign-on and I start thinking about authentication tokens. And as an application security person or a person who's writing software, I mean, I, I love that. I love that my application no longer has to identify a person. Right, um, the challenges we face are in our older applications, and a user base that is still wants 
uh, the authentication to happen in the application for some strange reason. But if we could have more application or more, more users and customers want master ID compliance, that would make my software that much more secure because it would never authenticate anybody, right? It would just support the use of tokens from identity or master ID compliance systems. Uh, and that would make my job a whole lot easier. Yeah. Isn't that just kind of single sign-on? I, um, yes. <laughs> I mean, okay. single sign-on is from the application's point of view, and then from the identity provider point of view, now that's where the burden falls for your multi-factor authentication. One, right. two, 50 factors of identification. My application no longer cares. Once it has the token, it knows who is making the request. Right. Okay. All right. Thank you for the question. That's a really great question. Really great discussion. Can I get a round of applause for her? I did that to make her feel good, but also I love the power. This is just amazing. <laughs> this is so awesome. Um, are there any other questions? All right. Oh, we got a couple. I saw the guy in the back first. Sorry. Sorry, man. Run, Scott. Run. I am. I am a believer in you know first. So. Hello. Uh, thank you very much for having ShowMeCon. I enjoy this. is my second year here, so I'm very happy to be here. It's always great. Um, I have two questions. Um, uh, for everybody who don't know, my name is Dave. I have a new book coming out. Um, choose Your Own Cybersecurity Plan. Very good book. Somebody stop that guy. Very good. <laughs> I had to. I'm sorry. Um, April, I had one. There are two questions. One's for April. How many cats do you have? Because I know in your presentation that you were doing, I counted multiple cats, but I saw actually real pictures of cats. So I'm going to say you have two, but I'm not sure. I have one cat and two okay. small dogs. I can't count either, so that works. <laughs> Um, but but I believe all the cats of the world should be recognized for their talents and beauty. I noticed. I was like, you know, this this is a really good presentation. But there's a lot of cats in this presentation. Like, I wonder how many cats she has. But you know, the, the second question was basically, I work in the healthcare industry. I'm an IT security analyst, and um, you know, with rules and regulations, HIPAA compliant, and all these regulations, everything is changing. It's Basically, it's, they give you like the boilerplate instructions, you follow it the best you can, but there's a very vague, you know, on, on what we can and can do. But uh, NIST standards, you know, they basically change for password policy. And that was a big thing. We all followed it for a very, very long time. Eight characters, so on and so forth. Don't do this, don't do that. But NIST has basically changed it now. I don't know, I'm pretty sure a lot of you are aware of it. Um, but I kind of wanted to ask you on how you felt about it as a user perspective, because that's one thing I believe in is, you know, educating and, and, you know, teaching our users as best as possible when password policies and good hygiene and everything else. And, you know, they've been following this standard for so long and then now things are changing. So to the end user, you know, it's, this is a big change, especially to, you know, a lot of people, you know, making things better for everyone. But I don't know if you've read a lot of the regulations, what they're changing and how they're going to make things better. On your guys' opinions on when that stuff comes into effect, do you think it's going to be negative? Do you think it's going to be positive? Or do you think I just shouldn't talk about it anymore? But <laughs> that's basically it. So, so now I'm going to sum it up here. It's, it's just what are, what are your thoughts? And like, you talk about like the NIST standard of them saying pretty much um, don't rotate passwords, it's worthless, and keep it like I see Dave already has an opinion. <laughs> uh, 
But uh, so for me personally, um, it, it's I think I, and I have started polling like some of the people in my organization. It's like, hey, if you didn't have to change your password, would you be OK with like a 16 character, 18 character, 20 character password if you never had to change it unless, you know, needed? And a lot of them are like, I actually like that system better. And then it's not I'm just uh, changing one number when I change the password. But I'll leave it to you for the. the Why the, can't we have both? Why, are we, why do we suck with passwords so much? A long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, that's a 42-character password right there that you'll actually remember. But that's, I, also, that's also probably in a dictionary somewhere. It's in my dictionary. <laughs> right. Yeah. With, with numerics, with you know, different spaces, with different characters, it is? Yeah. yeah. I've got all the Star Wars stuff, all the Star Trek stuff. It's all in there. Well, good thing, thing do, thing uh, good thing I do. Good thing I do. Louis Armstrong songs. I do Collective Soul. <laughs> I do '80s pop. That's an example. But here's the thing: I, 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 these people have never worked in, in in any sort of incident response. When you have an insider, let's face it, half the time they're logging in as someone else because they know their password, and and that's the point that it, it just. Why can't we have both? I mean, it's, it's a perfect example. Yeah, you have all the Star Wars stuff. And they say, well, why, well, we can't use April's cat's names. Well, you know, you just start using all the cat's names. That's the longest password in the world. But, you know, I have Bailey and Molly, and I love those dogs, even though they're pain in the asses. That's a long password, and I remember that every morning at 5 a.m. <laughs> I mean, seriously, how stupid are we that we can't figure this out? Well, I've, I've stopped teaching passwords and started teaching password managers. And I've had a lot more luck with people yeah. using password managers that automatically generates 24 character long passwords that you don't have to remember than teaching them, use something long that you'll remember, use a passphrase, and but, users but don't care. That, and you still have the master password. You have so. the keylogger right there that grabs that, and hey, they got everything. Thank you. It's a buffet. I get it. I mean, I mean, it, 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 there is a, a risk management. We use password managers. Certain things you can't. We do not allow, and that's policy. But we're still, I mean, we're still, the. I don't get the why we say, why they're saying now, we do not recommend you to ever change your password. Because the problem that we're going to run into is you're going to still have password reuse on multiple systems, and it's going to eventually turn into bad where everybody is using the same password everywhere, and it never, ever changes. And welcome back, 1984. I, I think Retro tech. <laughs> I think a lot of people have this false sense of security that passwords give them any, any sense of any, any amount of control over the data they're protecting. And uh, I don't think we're teaching enough people to use two-factor auth internally either. Like a lot of people have just started implementing it externally. But how many pen testers have you talked to that two-factor auth internally has stopped them and a lot of stuff? But that's also like really hard to implement, right? It, 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 it's easy, but no. Each environment has its own nuances for two-factor authentication. So, I mean, if you um, if you work in an industry that has like factories and stuff where they don't have a lot of you know technology access or the very very limited technology access, it's it's a little bit harder to implement that kind of stuff. Those people are still on XP. Those people are still on XP, since she doesn't want to talk to me. Can I just ask a question? Is there anybody here that's a thinks it's really a good security practice to set passwords to never expire. Okay. Tim? The devil's advocate. 
Well, yes, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, okay. I, okay, I just thought like when I logged into O365 one time and it said that, I thought maybe I would I took some acid. I didn't know. <laughs> I was like, and maybe I was crazy. And someone on this was going, well, NIST recommends it. Well, if NIST recommend you jump off a bridge, would you? You know? Okay, I, I'm glad. We're all good. Yeah. Yes, way to go. Yeah, I was thinking, like, in terms of the question, too, I was thinking um, you can still work within the framework, right? But you're still going to have to understand how that affects your risks and then take what controls you have in place and, and, and adapt. Uh, the, the framework is just going to give you different parameters to work by and something different for your auditor. But if going back to what Amanda was saying, right, what's your goal? Your goal is to give people actual control over the data you're protecting, right? And if that standard is going to give you an out to lower that, uh, don't take it, right? I, I think that's really what, what we're saying here. Yeah. All right, great question. Another round of applause. All right. Uh, couple, did you have a question, sir? You good? Was that your question? No, he has one. Okay, yeah, go there. Yeah, right there in the purple. <laughs> uh, this is kind of rolling back to a previous topic where you had said the, the checklist of best practices is 100 long, and then some frustrations I heard on the panel of we're seeing the same stuff again and again and again. Well, I've been hearing discussions that there's not enough people in the IT industry. There's just not enough just thoughts. I think that's fake news. What? Fake news? I think there's plenty of people in the IT industry. I think there's companies and <clears throat> some government agencies that don't want to pay what those people want. Or, or they have some weird limitations where you have to be in the office every single day. Yeah, or you have to have a bachelor's degree or a master's degree in some technology that came out three years ago. I, I think the people that are saying there's not enough IT folk have um, little odd uh, expectations on what they're looking for. So I would I would I'll actually add on to that too. I think I think us internally or yeah us as the influencer community. I think we we are really bad at communicating. I think we can overcomplicate things. Um, so I think we we need to look at ourselves as well as far as like are we being the most effective at communicating um you know i have seen so many it people um write really long emails that even i don't want to read right it, it should be you know like like i i i do speak on social engineering for the blue team which is you know how to better communicate inside of your organization and how to use some of those techniques to become more likable so that you know, instead of walking over and someone's like, I have a lot of work to do, they're dropping what they're doing to help you out, right? But one of the techniques there is bottom line up front. Take a question, put it at the top, and then one to two sentences, if they want more context, they'll ask for it. That has been one of the most effective things for me in communicating at work and actually getting answers and getting things done. I've had other people say they've started implementing that and that they've seen, you know, significant increase in response time to, to their emails. So if we're, we're sending 500 word emails to people asking them, hey, you need to put this security control in place, um, they're, they're going to either push to the side or just not bother with it. Or they, they, they'll put it in their queue, but it's going to the bottom. Right? Those are the type of people that write a 500 word tweet, take a picture of it, and tweet the picture. <laughs> yes. Instead of writing those 500 word emails, I just I just tweet. I you just tweet, tweet at people tweet at for your work, and yeah. Hey, you need to go speak the SQL injection. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. 
I think we have a really big problem with politics in general within organizations that's not related to IT. And we will run up against um, people who are actively fighting against security because of their own personal political interests, because they need things, they promise their boss that something is going to be done by a certain date, um, whatever it is. There are, um, I, I think that we get jaded after a while, where when we can't get things done quickly, we, we're like, people are dragging their feet, we're trying to get this, just this one thing implemented because it would change everything and make things, you know, ten times better, and we can't do it, and it's not necessarily because of a lack of people, it's because there's, like, this culture that doesn't care about security, and um, and I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's a, it's a much larger problem than just our group having, not having enough people. I think we have enough people. We have the people that have tremendous amount of intelligence and knowledge and all these other things we're willing to share. We're willing to teach. We have extra cycles most, a lot of the time to help somebody and we will help people, but we can't, when we can't get things done, that like stifles everything that stifles the company it stifles the people and it makes it seem like if we just had some more like people will tell us that they don't have the cycles to do things but they just don't want to do it and i think that um i don't know that there's an easy answer for that but um i i, I think that we have that throwing more people at the problem isn't going to solve it i think we need to look at how we're using the people today and look at how people are responding to requests and, and how people are um, are accepting of change and things like that. And I think that that's really the bigger problem, that people don't want that disruption to their day-to-day. -day. They like things the way they are. They're fine with it, how things are. They, they don't want um, more security. They want it to be easier to do their jobs. They, they want to be able to go home on the weekends and, you know, go out on their boat or whatever. It's like they don't care about the company. They don't care about security. It's just a job. I, but we take security, like, really seriously and passionately, and not everybody else feels that way. So so I, I have to look at my watch to see. Okay. Yeah, so it's been enough time. It's been about 18 years um, I can actually talk about this company now. I worked for a company. I won't mention their names, but it rhymed with Ray Mead Wedwards. And um, <laughs> in 2000, I, it took me three weeks to find out what my job was. I, I came in, I thought I was an exchange analyst, ended up my job was to sit there and uh, my boss coming up with ideas and then me writing reports and then him saying, I don't like the fucking bullets on there. And um, I became really jaded real quick. But their big thing was, hey, we're, we're good in IT and we're growing by 10% every year. And they're out of business now. Um, my opinion, I, I think with a lot of it is as professionals, we are, our job, whether it be security, productivity, is to make the non-technical employees more valuable. I mean, that's really our job. We're digital janitors. We, we, we're custodians of everything. And, um, the problem, and again, those of us that have a little more gray hair, we're the problem. Back in 2000, it was leave us alone. We'll tell you how we're going to do things. And that's where all this politics came from. That's where all this infighting came from. And I see it all the time now with incense. You know, it gets thrown on IT. And there is a divide there. I mean, at this certain stockhouse, 
we were literally in another building. We couldn't go over unless it was Waffle Friday to the other building, which was a good day. Um, but uh, it, well, it was Waffle Friday. We called it Model Runway Friday. Um, I was single at the time; it was allowed to. But um, but but just real quick, you know, I think I think one of the things if you got to if companies I go into, if I see where the business unit has really taken the responsibility, they understand the risk. They understand that technology is not just a cool device, but is there to make things work more efficiently. It works a lot better. And you have the politics are no longer there. You have it where uh, priorities are being pushed in place. You don't have IT administrators, security administrators running around in circles for five or six different um, uh, uh, competing uh, groups in the organization. And, and I think that that's something that, you know, the newer generations of CEOs and uh, presidents, they, they are computer savvy. They're taking a, a lot of these decisions back to the boardroom, and it's not a bad thing. Um, but I, I think that, that there is enough workforce. I think that we're always going to be overworked, but, I mean, I'll tell you, every industry's overworked a bit, but I think we're just not working as efficient as we could be. Yeah, I just I have uh, one more thing to add there too, right? So if you take um, the idea that you can't throw more people at the problem, your list of basics, things you have to do, is not going to get shorter. We've talked about a, a tool or uh, for master ID, but then as Wick pointed out, that means you're going to need to go get someone who knows a new tool, but you're going to want unrealistic expectations from that person. So you can't necessarily solve that with an, or make that list shorter. You can't throw more people at it. You can't put a tool at it. That leaves the things that, that Dave and, and Tim mentioned there too, right? So we have to get better at something else. You have to do something different because we know that these problems keep showing up. So what's the different thing? Right? And I think that's the things they've been saying, right? You have to get better at making that connection with those people making it easier for them to chop those things off the list. I think what the last point I'll make is, like I have a static code analysis system, and the reason it's working for me is because it doesn't report the security vulnerabilities as security vulnerabilities to my developers. It calls it a bug and tells them what they should have done. And they're like, oh yeah. Or even, or even better, like the, uh, the, 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 the scrum master or something says, I told you. You were supposed to do that. I told you that two years ago. You're supposed to get rid of that. Why is it still here? Boom, it's fixed. No one called it a security vulnerability. It talks their language, gives them what they need, and they move on with their day. And that's one of my basics now off the list because it approaches the problem a different way. Okay. Yeah, I guess I'm going to actually add on to that as well. Is, is I, I'm a big believer in like training. Um, spending time. So I have correlated training with developers. I have, uh, I've started up lunch and learns. Um, and I made, I, they're, they're a lot more, I, I like, I try to make them entertaining and fun. Um, I try to show them YouTube videos because there's a lot of like security related stuff on there. There's, you know, the one about OSINT over in Europe where they pretty much are, are doing a, a guy's like trying to do like a mind reading and he's just nailing everything. And then they pull the curtain back and it's people, you know, on computers looking up their social, social profiles, right? There's, there's a lot of great stuff out there that we can use for like training purposes. I, I bring bacon to training every time. Which, you, well, you just blew my mind. Really? Do you get to choose your own bacon? Now. Yeah. 
So I, I bring bacon to training, and and just you know, it's just it, it's Jeez. not even kidding. Sam's Costco for under twenty bucks, you can get like fifty slices of bacon, right? And Do you, you just, work at a dog park? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> you you cook the bacon first, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Right. Yeah. You offer so Canadian bring, bacon? But we're all gonna bring bacon to our next training. Yes, you should. And, and they're gonna go, Pork what the hell's anybody? up with this? Right. I started something. <laughs> you did. Yes, yes. But I mean that, that's the thing, is that like people are surprised. It's the shock value. And and, and so, but I spend a lot of time with them going over basic security things. And what I'm finding is that I am not having to go look for as many issues because a lot more people are reporting stuff to me and that's my workload. So it's, it's, and they, they, they have the um, familiarity and the comfort level to come to me and know that I'm not going to slap them down or put them down or call them stupid users and that, you know, they can trust me and we're going to, you know, find a resolution. I think we've solved this. Every time they bring you a new issue that they've fixed, they get bacon. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. We have now fixed all of, the, all of security. Won't, is now you, fixed. won't you teach them to actually bring you more problems? Because they'll want more bacon. Yeah. Yeah. Bacon's the bacon is always the answer, right? Right. So, thank you for the question, by the way. That was a really good discussion. Let's get a round of applause there. Bacon. Yeah. All right. Uh, we have run out of time. Yeah. I, I can't go. I, I'd like to say, by the way, these clocks. I'd like we we can go just a little over. I like to say they're off, but the people that built this clock, they actually went to NIST and said. You guys, your time is off by point zero 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 one seconds, and they were right. I still don't know how you come up with that concept. I'm, I, I can barely cook bacon, and they're fixing time. <laughs> fixing time. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, yeah. That's. I, I think bacon is just a great way to end the podcast. Yeah. Right. So, uh, thank you, Amanda, Dave, 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 Dave. <laughs> for coming to the podcast. Thank you all for coming to the first ever event. Now you can tell all your friends that you were at the first ever Exploring Information Security podcast when this becomes the number one podcast on iTunes. Probably not going to happen. But yeah. So. Dream big, son. Yeah, yeah. I dream I've big. I've got some bots. I can fire yeah. up. Great sex going to be always up. Oh, get off the stage. Uh, so, yeah, is there anything you guys want to promote or anything? Amanda, I've go ahead. I've got this Choose Your Own Adventure book coming out. <laughs> I've got a conference called ShowMeCon. Please yeah. show up. Bye. <laughs> Every year forever. Parties tomorrow night? Yes. Please show up for the party. My wife's going to actually buy you two drinks. She never buys me drinks. So please show up. Thank you very much. Are we still promoting things? Yes, yes, yes. All right, so check out Breaking Down Security and yeah. Breaking Down Incident Response, both two very good podcasts that are not also on the top number one of iTunes, but... Um, and obviously my book, because I have to promote that. What? Oh yeah. What, what's your book title again? Choose your own defensive security. No, <laughs> uh, the defensive security handbook. David. Um, I run a book club, and I really love doing it. So if more people would join, it would just get that much better for everyone. Can I choose my own book? You can choose your own book. <laughs> they're security books. Yes, they're security books. Uh, and then also the other thing is I, uh, uh, I started a Twitter account. Uh, it's very new, but it goes along with a lot of the work I've been doing recently. It's called uh, Give Infosec. So like, I, what I try to do is I try to collect good and positive things on Twitter 
where there are people in information security building up and supporting other people in information security. Um, so take a look at that. It's it's fledgling and it's a new idea and I'm trying to grow it. So I thought I'd put that out there. Uh, give infosec, which is a, a verb, a concept, a thing, and a Twitter account. So uh, we also have a, a talk tomorrow afternoon uh, called "You'll Understand When You're Older," which uh, is a keynote, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think it fits perfectly with the the, the theme uh, we have going on here to today. There. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to be giving that talk also. He'll <laughs> <laughs> be he'll be starting ten minutes before us, and it'll uh, he'll he'll choose his way through it. I don't know. All right, but yeah, thank you. Uh, Black Hat USA. Woo. I'm giving a training called Achieving Security Awareness Through Social Engineering Attacks. And we're going to teach basically basic red team tactics to blue teamers, people that are interested in security awareness, people who want to create or build or improve security awareness programs. Um, where Everybody gets Hack 5 tools. We're going to use them and have fun. And it's going to be awesome. Do you bring bacon? I'm You're a vegetarian now. <laughs> I'm a vegetarian. Oh. All right. So thank you. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Round of applause for our panelists again. Thank you.